0: And go. We're still on sky. We're
1: This is really exciting. We have our first Olympian on, Ilana Myers-Taylor, a uh, silver medalist um, in the Pyeongchang Olympics this year, Bob Sletter, Um, We're really excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So like you you, you were talking about beforehand, you're in Dallas right now, um, after Pyeongchang, and you know, you were able to do a lot of media inquiries even after you got back from the Olympics, you went on vacation. Where was that? Because I was looking at the flag, and I couldn't <laughs> tell where you were.
0: Yeah, so um, it was a dream vacation, something I've been planning for like seven years, and it's one of the most difficult trips to actually plan. Um, and me and my husband went to the Maldives, but we also went to um, Mumbai, India on on the way over and on the way back from the Maldives because it's that hard of a trip to plan.
1: Why is it hard to make it to the Maldives? Uh, like,
0: I, I think there's only a couple flights that fly directly um. over there. Um, and the other thing is they weren't on airlines we have partners with and Um, you know, it just, is a very expensive because there's so few flights So we were trying to find ways to save a little money there, even though it was a dream trip, but um, we were able to make it. And plus we wanted to see India while we were over on that side of the world. So did that as well.
1: Is it, is it Mumbai or Delhi? That's like the most densely populated city. It's Mumbai, right?
0: Mumbai is pretty packed. There's like 18 million people there. And you could tell like when you're walking through the streets and everything, there's just a lot of people everywhere.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm sure, like, I, I've just seen the videos, and I'm like, Lord, it seems like people are packed on top of each other. Um, yeah. But yeah, so have you what been... You, go ahead, Karen.
0: What were you guys able to do while you were on the trip? Um, well, when we were in Maldives, mostly just chilling, uh, mostly just lying on the beach, and I have a bit of a injury, Achilles injury that I'm mm-hmm. recovering from. Um, so wasn't able to do much outside of that, but then... In Mumbai, we took a tour, saw the Gateway of India, saw a couple different things, and that was pretty much it.
1: Speaking of uh-huh. that Achilles injury, you know, like, congratulations again on winning silver. Um, but you, you obviously, and people have been talking about it, you, you raced through that injury. Like, what, what gave you the drive to, like, fight through that pain? Obviously, it's the Olympics, so, you know, it's a, <laughs> that can give you enough. But, like, you know, was there anything else that motivated you?
0: I mean, I think if it was any other race, um, we would have not done it, obviously, Uh, but it is the Olympics, and you know you're out there representing your country, representing your family, representing everybody, Um, so it wasn't ever a question in my mind whether or not I would race. It was more so a question of how we were going to make it to get through the race um, and how well I would be able to perform. You know, we really didn't know. I was confident that I'd still be able to push well and everything, uh, but it was touch and go for a while, so it was never even a question of whether or not I would race, because, you know, this this is the moment that every Olympian works for, so it's just one opportunity every four years, so I was going to do everything I can to be in that sled.
1: When you, when you, you know, were about to, you know, the race was about to start, did you feel the pain, or was your adrenaline going so much that you were just like, I can't even, like, I'm not even thinking about it right now?
0: Oh, yeah, I felt the pain.
1: Oh, you did? Okay, okay. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah, it was pretty painful, but at the end of the day, like, um, it's one of those kind of things sometimes that helps you focus because, uh, you can't think about everything else that's going on. You can't overthink for me driving the bobsled track, or you can't overthink, um, worrying about results or anything like that because you're like, okay, my Achilles hurts this bad. What do I need to do right now to make sure I'm doing everything I can to prepare for this race? I don't have time to focus on anything else. And if your brain even starts to wonder, it starts to wander to the pain more so than anything else.
1: Okay. And and I saw that you weren't even able to, like, I don't know if this was because of your injury or just training in general, but you weren't able to make it to the, the opening ceremony. Was that because of the injury or you were just training and, you know, watching from the side?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it was because of the injury. injury. You know? okay. we, were trying, <laughs> we were trying to hide the injury for a while and, and make sure uh, people didn't know. And, and I don't think most people really, or n- nobody really knew the extent of it um, while we were going through it. So, you know, when it, when it, Came out that I wasn't good
1: walking opening ceremonies, or I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Oh, we're just not walking because we have to train, yeah. we
0: have to rest and recover." You <laughs> yeah. know, nothing about the boots being too heavy and I me mean, not being able to wear them <laughs> without being in excruciating pain. Nothing like that.
1: You know, because you were so focused on that, and you know, trying to, you know, stay focused on not focusing on the pain, but still trying to rehab it and train for, you know, the Olympics. Um, while you were there, were you able to create any friendships or relationships with people um, from other teams within the U.S. or different countries?
0: I mean, the cool thing is within the bobsled community, we're all kind of a big family anyway, so we travel all season long together and train together and whatnot, and I actually, one of my best friends is a Canadian bobsledder. She's defend or she's two-time Olympic champion. She got bronze at this race. Mm-hmm. Her name's Kaylee Humphreys and I train with her all the time. And she's one of my best friends. So we have that kind of community. Um, I was still able to like meet some people from other sports, especially like in the dining areas and things like that. Right. Um, you know, the biggest difference this time is normally, you know, I'm up and about and, and meeting people from all over the world. This time the U S had uh, separate dining facilities, um, just to kind of keep it clean and, and make sure we had what we needed, uh, to race. So I met a lot more U S athletes than I probably normally do, which is also pretty cool.
1: Speaking of U.S. athletes, um, there's one in particular that follows you on Instagram, and his name is Alex Shivatani. Um, I might have a slight crush on him. So at the end of this interview, he's, I'm living in L.A., he's out here, and I'm like, you know what, Alex? Oh, I'm doing this like like interview with you. And I'm like Alana, you want to set me up? Well, we could talk about that later. We can talk about that later. But he is just, I've I, heard I know Alex and, and his sister Maya and they, and they yeah. are awesome. They're great.
0: So it's a good
1: crush to have. This yeah. is a great guy. <laughs> he's a uh, he's, you know, definitely they both seem very very obviously obviously de- dedicated. Did you get the chance to actually explore Pyeongchang or uh Seoul at all? So
0: we had been there two or three times prior um so i I'd, I'd been through seoul um i experienced that and and pyeongchang a little bit there's not much pyeongchang to really yes, explore yeah. so i had been down to the coast which was in Gyeongyang, um and and explored a little bit of that but during the olympics we didn't really get out much or do anything that's why it's like so cool to be able to come over um and do test events before the olympics because during that time so it's not as serious yes you're trying to accomplish things and, and win races and stuff but you still get to do a little bit more um and see a little bit more of the country when you're over there
1: speaking of when you were actually there and like within the olympic village um i also heard that each country had its own house and the u.s house was like the hardest to get into um wh- were you able to ex- i mean obviously you were probably able to experience that but like you have to also pay it again if you weren't an athlete um what what was going on in there that made it so exclusive
0: i think it's one of those kind of things where they go the extra mile the u.s olympic committee goes the extra mile to make sure everybody's comfortable um and everybody has the best of resources like the food was great um <laughs> two big screen TVs to make sure you could see everything, yeah. all the action live, uh, comfortable couches. And the other thing was it was limited space. Um, normally at Olympics, we have the team USA house and it's a little bit bigger. So more, so it could accommodate people, which allows it to be a lot less expensive, but because there was limited space, you know, you kind of got to, uh rack the price up a little bit to add to that little um exclusivity but also it's just a limited amount of people that compete in the area at one time
1: right were you guys taking buses from the olympic village over to you know where you guys were competing because i heard those buses would go like it'd be really cold outside and you get into the bus and it was steaming hot inside of it so or were you guys taking separate vans i'm sure you guys were probably taking vans right no, oh. we were on the bus. Oh, you were? Else. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is, is you're like all bundled up in all your winter gear, and then oh. you sit down, and you're like sweating, and, and it's just too much. And the bus our buses were
0: pretty small. and We've got all equipment on there and everything like that, so it was a pretty packed situation. But um, you know, they made it work, and transportation here was actually better than a lot of other games. Um, so it ran a lot more smoothly. It was on time, um, and, and it was really good.
1: What was the biggest difference between Sochi and Pyeongchang? Just basic, I mean, obviously, Russia, Korea, two very different countries. But as far as, you know, everyone talked about with Sochi, there was just a lot of just mishap going on with the preparation for it. Like, if you had to say one thing that was, like, the biggest difference between there and Pyeongchang, what was it, what would you say it was?
0: I think it was atmosphere. Um, You know, in Russia, you got that distinct feeling that the Russians were really going out there and trying to show that they were the best in the world. Um, and, and obviously, uh, they were going to do anything they could to make sure they were seen as the best of the world. So you got that feeling of dominance, and you got that feeling in everything that you did that the Russians were just trying to go out there and crush everyone and show them, show their world power. Um, versus in Pyeongchang, it was a much more friendly atmosphere. The Koreans didn't have that same kind of diehard. hard you know we're gonna gonna get you kind of feel um (laughs) and and they were really just opening and 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 we met a lot of really great people in Sochi don't get me wrong but um just Korean people you know they were just excited to host the Olympics it wasn't like oh Korea's gonna come out here and crush everybody with the medals they're like oh we're here we don't know what all these sports are about but we're gonna (laughs) cheer for everyone anyway so it was a much different atmosphere
1: did um Did you feel, I mean, obviously, everyone was talking about North Korea being there. Did you experience anything or see anything, like, or just see them at all, like, and how they interacted with everyone else and them just being present there?
0: Yeah, so they were in the village a little bit, um, and we wanted to try and trade pins and try and trade items, but they were not having it. It was very like, standoff, off, like, don't approach, tree got kind of the thing. Um, a couple of people did try to approach them, got shot down. So uh, it was really interesting atmosphere. Like, I would have loved to just sit down and talk to one of them and just see what it's like. But, um, you know, I think the, bit, the thing we were told is the people that actually were allowed to come to the game were pretty high-ranking um, officials. So mm-hmm. it wasn't – if you talk to them, you wouldn't necessarily get a real-life – a depiction of what life's like in North Korea, which is what I wanted, but, um, you know, I wasn't going to, after I, I was sitting behind them and, and was about to turn around, and saw another athlete go up to him and, and uh, ask for a pin, but they shot him down so cold, and I was like, yep, yes, I'm turning back around, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did they really, so, like, someone went up, and they were like, oh, can you, like, here's a pin, or, like, here's my pin, whatever, and did they just, like, shake their head, like, no, or they just kind of looked yeah, at them, and, like, okay. Then and
0: it was pretty, like, dismissive, like, not only no, but also, like, get out of here, don't talk to us kind of thing. Jeez. And the guy who went over, he's a Green Beret in our military, so he wasn't intimidated or anything. So <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, <laughs> if he's going to shut down, I'm, I'm going to just step off. Right,
1: right. That's so interesting to hear that that perspective of, because everyone made it seem like, I mean, obviously the cheerleaders were there, and everyone they you know merged the, the hockey teams, but I don't know. I, that's just interesting that, that they brought them over there, even at all. Um and I heard that Russians were the biggest crowd behind the South Koreans, right? Even though they technically didn't really have their own team. Is that true? Or did you see that?
0: Oh. I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't really see that. Um fortunately I didn't make it out to a lot of events, um, but definitely uh saw it from T V. But um you don't get the same perspective of who's in the crowd when you're at the T V.
1: Right, right. Now the one thing I this is my last question, Carrie, you can um have some of yours, but um You know, a lot of people say to be successful that sleep is always on the back burner. There's something that you have to sacrifice. As an Olympian, where your health is like the epitome of, you know, what you do, do you like, do you sacrifice sleep or, you know, what are the things that you have to sacrifice um, in order to be successful and win um, a medal at the Olympics? Oh, sleep definitely is something that's super important. So
0: it's something that we're going to do whatever we can.
1: So even at the games,
0: um, I had a sleep strategy and I don't sleep really well i have sleep problems i actually have sleep apnea so i have a lot of problems when related to sleep sleeping so my husband nick who was an alternate on the olympic team um he had a different accommodation off site so um at the night of the games like i had to go over and sleep at his um hotel to make sure I was comfortable, to make sure it was an environment that I normally sleep in, so I could try to get as much sleep as possible, because, you know, being in the village, even though we have been there for a week or so before we competed, um, it's still not the most comfortable place to sleep with me, it's not my own bed, all these kind of things, it's not the atmosphere, um, so we tried to create the best atmosphere we could, so we were not going to uh, make any... Uh, concessions on sleep, because we knew how important it was, you yeah. know, nutrition's the other thing that's so important, and, um, you know, I don't, uh, yes, I I'd love to eat sweets every day, and, you know, <laughs> eat red velvet cake, which is my favorite, but it's one mm-hmm. of those kind of things that you don't really look like as a sacrifice, because you know it's going to give you the best fuel you can to perform, so um, it's not really a sacrifice, it's a choice we make, you know, I could go out and eat whatever I want, but at the end of the day, it's not going to allow me to
1: the best that makes sense that's interesting because yeah so would you say you know what's like something that you had to sacrifice even preparing for your first olympics with vancouver like what was something you had to sacrifice whether it was time with your friends you know you know not binging on a netflix series like was there something that you had to give up i mean other other than red velvet (laughs) cake
0: I think the biggest thing is that time with your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't get that back. And with me, I have um, seven nieces and nephews. So, you know, I don't get to spend as much time as I would like with them. But at the end of the day, you know, they love me and support me and, and right. are going to celebrate with me and every uh, success and cry with me at every loss. So um, I'm really fortunate to have a great support system. But that's definitely the biggest thing you sacrifice is just not having that time.
1: Now, do you plan on. Being at the next Olympics, it's in Beijing, right? It's in Beijing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. I'm
0: doing everything I can to work to get back there.
1: So you're already back to training. I saw that. Uh, No, Uh,
0: because my Achilles. Oh, right, right, right. uh, Not able to get back to training yet. Uh, Just started trying to like ride a bike and do some different things, but um, hopefully, I'll get back pretty soon.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I I hope you're able to get through that quickly and as sound as possible. Kyra, do you have any other questions?
0: Yes, I definitely do. Did you grow up in Georgia, right? Yes. Okay, I'm curious, how did that, growing up in a warm centered area, we're from Georgia so we get how hot it is, Um, how did you get to training and becoming successful in a winter sport? So everybody gets in a bobsled different and there's actually a lot of Warm weather state people, uh, people who come from warm weather states that get in the bobsled because it's a sport everybody gets into after college. And, you know, one of my biggest things now is to go out there and try and find the next round of olympians and try and find the next people to get into bobsled because everybody's story is different as long as you're athletic you can convert to the sport which is pretty cool and there's not a lot of sports people could do at an older age and convert so i actually grew up playing softball and softball was mm-hmm. taken out of the olympics um and i tried out and didn't make the olympic team so i still wanted to be an olympian so i was like what can i do to be an olympian and my parents actually saw bobsled on tv we were like, well, try this sport. I was like, sure, why not? What do I have to lose? And then I just Googled it and emailed the coach and got invited to a trial in Lake Placid, New York.
1: What? It's that e- I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> That's really interesting I,
0: because I know for, like, most teams you have to, like, start from, like, such a young age. I didn't know that there was, like you were able to start, like, later. So if what do you think it takes to be successful at it. If you're able to start later, like if I wanted to start and practice in boss sledding, what would I have to be skilled at? Well, there's a physical element, you know, strength, speed, and power um, to push a sled, but also you just have to be adaptable and coachable, like willing to humble yourself and be like, look, I'm not the best at this. I'm going to come in and try anyways. I'm willing to look stupid, (laughs) even if it's it's not going to work out, like I'm going to give it a try. And see what happens i mean that's the biggest thing is just being at that level where you can humble yourself and accept that you're not going to know what you're doing you're not going to know what you're doing for a year or two uh, but it can lead to something really great um and that's the cool thing about bobson and we have open tryouts every year so bring your strength bring your speed and uh see if you can make the team
1: honestly you're saying this and i'm like i i will be there like <laughs> this is that's strange. pretty cool though right,
0: thank you so much for being on the podcast everything
1: you sound was
0: so interesting yeah well thanks for having
1: me yeah thank you well have a great time in dallas all right sounds
0: all right. good well, you guys take care have a good
1: day thank you you Bye. too Bye. Bye.